Hi everyone. If you like what you've been hearing, please consider subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon. That's H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. The Patreon's really the lifeblood of the podcast. It lets me dedicate the time that I need to play the games, to talk to our guests, to really set everything up and, and make everything as sharp as it is. Um, without it, uh, no cartridge really wouldn't exist the way it does today. If you don't like monthly pledges, I totally get it. Uh, there's also paypal.me backslash Hagelbon, and we can try and figure something out there. Or you can email me at nocartridgeaudio at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, and I will try and answer your emails as quickly as I can. Thanks so much for your support, and enjoy the show. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbun on Twitter, and uh, today I have with me, uh, it's actually, we've been trying to do this for a while, uh, I'm really happy to have him here, uh, cartoonist to the uh, to the stars himself, uh, Branson <laughs> Reese, you know him from Twitter, at Branson Reese. Uh, Branson, uh, welcome to the show, this is great. Oh my god, thanks for having me, man. Of course, it's yeah. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, how how you doing? How's everything uh, in in as April winds up? Are you uh, are you like a summer guy? Or are you mostly like are you, do do you prefer the winter? No, I'm a spring boy. I'm okay. having the time of my life. Nice. Well, finally came. Yeah, finally we'll have like a week of it, and then it'll be. But I like summer now. I've decided for years. Okay. I like. I was like, it's too hot, and like, well, that's summer, man. Get over it. It's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah, I guess like it. It's always my complaint that summer's too hot, but uh, yeah, even saying it out loud, it sounds ridiculous. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, I, it's like it's summer. Like, of course, it, that's like what it is supposed to do. <laughs> if it wasn't too hot in summer, I think like actually it would be I would start complaining about it eventually. Um, was, the summer I moved here to New York, there was a we had like a they called it like June gloom. It was like a really temperate summer and it, okay. apparently it was like a disaster and it was like signaling the beginning of like climate shutdown oh but, yeah but it, was blue. it didn't so go it's that like, way though it's bad to have a mild summer i guess yeah we had i think when i moved to chicago i think the first the first winter that was there we i was there we had a um like a massive blizzard and that was uh, a thing about that was like the climate change moment. And then all of our winters after that were a little milder. It was always really cold. But the one thing I remember was that there was approximately one day of spring. There would just be one oh, day in Chicago where it was spring and everyone would be outside and the restaurants would all be packed. And, you know, like basically everyone would skip school and skip work. And then it would go from like extremely cold to way too hot. And I really missed I mean, the East Coast doesn't have a lot more, but it's. Uh, it, it, I did miss it when I was out there. Yeah, we're not known for our insanely good weather. The no. Midwest though is like especially severe though with like the season switches, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, like I, I'm from Philly. I, I'm living in the Philly area again now. But like when when I moved oh. out there, 
my wife had lived out there a little bit before I did. And like, she would say like, it's not as bad in terms of snow. And generally that's true. Like generally it's, it's pretty similar, but like, boy, it turns the temperature. It just, you know, the first winter out there I bought, like I bought the most expensive coat I've ever bought and I, I still have it, but it was just like, everyone had them. And I was like, well, I don't have one of those coats. I wonder why the why those people do. And then, you know, like December 1st rolls around and you're like, oh, I get why those people do. I'll pay, I'll pay any price. Oh yeah. My, uh, brother and sister both live out there and they were, they were like, oh yeah, you just go into hibernation and you have like three friends that you see and that's it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. The, uh, it, it's cool. Cause like, it is a very cozy city. Uh, Chicago is like, it's, it's, it's a nice city for the winter. You can go to like, you know, they have good booze, uh, good coffee, good food. So you just go to a restaurant and like sort of sit by a fire or whatever. But like they kind of, they, they turn it on in the summer and you realize how much you've just stayed inside in the winter, (laughs) how how little like put the plastic on your windows and hope that, uh, that the wind doesn't, you know, kill you in your sleep. Oh yeah. I've had a few of those. I, I can't believe this is in retrospect. I don't know what was wrong with, Oh, I do know what was wrong with, but I was, uh, when I was in my early twenties, I lived, I had like my window broke one winter and I was like, I was in my early twenties and I just like, rather than fix it, I would just go to sleep every night and think like, hope I wake up. Wow. That is, um, uh, that's intense. Yeah. That was a lot. I didn't deserve to make it, but here I am. (laughs) Well, yeah, my, my story about being 20 in New York was I, um, I drank way too much one night, which I know is really, you know, out there and weird and no one does that in New York, but I did one night. I drank too much. Um, and I, I, I got sick on, I got off the subway and got sick. And then, um, I was like leaning over the tracks. I was squatting, leaning over the tracks. And then, uh, in that pose, I fell asleep. Oh yeah. I didn't, yeah. Yeah. I just, so I just teetered there basically not, not lying down, but like mm-hmm. in a uh, squatting pose until someone came by and was like, you can't sleep here. Or like so I just wandered home. Yeah, definitely one of those moments where it was like I, uh, you know, just just the wind blows one way or the other, and and things go a lot different. I had a I mean, we don't need to get into my stories of drinking in my early twenties, but I had one where I I fell asleep on the train and had to like I kept missing my stop, and I was like, oh, if I just keep going to sleep, like eventually I'll wake up at my stop. <laughs> It's such good drunk logic. <laughs> the train has to turn around at some point and eventually I'm going to get, the you know what? I will say, I don't want to encourage anyone to do like, definitely don't do this. If you're like on the fence about like, should I get drunk on a train? Don't do it. But it did end up working out correctly for me. I think like of all the places you can get problematically drunk, uh, a train is probably one of the better ones. Cause it, it just keeps moving. Uh, you could pay a lot. It could be expensive. I'd say on the train is the best place. <laughs> that's like the safest bet yeah a hospital that's pretty good um yeah if you want to if you really want to play it safe just uh just check yourself into the icu but um make sure they're okay with you bringing a ton of grain alcohol yeah this like hypothetical person who has to get blackout drunk but wants to play it safe i like them i'm, I'm kind of like I, I i respect this person i respect that they want to have experiences but really want to make it safe um yeah, you know, uh, thought like that. They're living their own life. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, you know, this is a video game show or a show about video mm-hmm. games, but it's also a show about art. Like, it's a show about aesthetics. Uh, my background, I don't, I don't know if we ever talked about my background. No. My background is I have a, 
Oh, yeah, I never told you my background. I have a PhD in English. So like, oh, hey, hello. that's my background. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's what I did. Uh, <laughs> thanks. It's the most expensive uh, letter of unemployment you can ever have. Um, oh, God, yeah. It's per- but but you know uh, I'm doing this podcast now, so you know silver linings. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so like I I'm super interested in aesthetics. I'm super interested in thinking about like why people produce the art they produce, uh, visual art as well. Uh, so I love having artists on. I love talking to people who you know you have you have certain comics that that touch on. And, well, let me ask you. So do you feel like you have any comics that actually touch on the video game oeuvre? Or the video game genre in any in any real way, or do you feel like there's sort of a, a divide there for you? Because I think web comics in general, like not that I would call your work web comics in like the classical penny arcade sense or not something, sure. but yeah, like I hope not. Uh, but like comics on the internet or comics that are primarily distributed via the internet tend to go back to that well a lot. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I mean, I guess like superficially, I've touched on it a few times. I think I have a few where like I imply that. Toad has no inner life or something like the, I don't think I ever I might be wrong. There's nothing I can think of. I don't think I go much deeper than like the few video games I played when I was a kid. But I was never I never got very into it. I feel like there was like there was some window in childhood of like this is like being interested in video games that like sort of closed before I could really go through it. And now, That's interesting. Yeah, it's like I don't I I like them. I like the idea of them, but I don't play very often or very regularly now. I mean, what games did you play? Like what, what few did you get to sort of like experience as a Oh, kid? I just thought about this the other day. Cause there was that film struck thing that very, Oh yeah. The game struck. Thing. It like yeah. quickly, I mean like poor film struck, like their hashtag got away from them immediately. Like, oh, here are the video games I play. <laughs> Phil Struck's like, no, no, we were trying to talk about cinema. Oh, no, here's my four. It's the ramen struck. Here are my four brands. But the, uh, the meme struck. I was thinking about like, oh, because well, I, I wanted to do that. I was like, what are the like, what are four video games I ever even seriously played? And the ones I could come up with were Toe Jam and Earl, the, okay. uh, the Simpsons arcade game that I only played on vacation with my brother, or, uh, or the um, Parappa the Rapper. And there was an, oh, the uh, Grim Fandango. Okay. Those were, I mean, there were others, but those were sort of four that I remember, like, thinking about in my spare time, like, when I wasn't just, like, playing them. I mean, that's a super interesting series of games. Uh, I mean, especially because, like, yeah, no, I think that's, well, so let me start with The Simpsons. So, like, I think maybe you have the same experience as I do with The Simpsons arcade game, which is that mostly you saw the loading screen oh yeah that's basically all it is <laughs> like the, the the demo of the game of like the computer playing you know whatever marge and homer beating up uh the businessmen with the suitcases there's a and lot stuff. of that, like um, uh, arcade games or like if my friend had a game like i was never very good at them so i would just watch the loading screen and it's like oh this is what a successful run of this game would look like <laughs> right yeah i i you know, that's interesting because like it's well, so there's a lot there's a lot going on in the Simpsons game uh, in terms of people who like the Simpsons. I don't know if you're a big Simpsons fan. I certainly grew up in that era where it was kind of the the unspoken language between friends was. Simpsons oh, yeah, quotes. I was a huge fan. I wasn't allowed to watch it when I was a kid, but that did nothing to stop me. I still watched every episode. I, I would imagine it did everything to encourage. Yeah, it you. just made it 
seem exciting to me. <laughs> yeah, taboo in some sort of fun way. Yeah, like uh, I, I think like the Simpsons are hard to explain to a kid like why you wouldn't want to watch why you wouldn't want them to watch it. Like I can imagine I have a four year old. I can imagine like not wanting her to watch the Simpsons because I wouldn't want her to repeat stuff out of context and get in trouble. Yeah, at or school. Like, oh, this is um, like operating on a certain level of like irony and satire. And like, you need to understand the base reality we live in before you can riff on it. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, it's, I remember my dad wouldn't let me watch GI Joe when I was, I don't know, five or, or whatever, but um, his, his reasoning, I, I remember his exact reasoning, which was um, it's a stupid show because they, shoot each other and no one dies and it's that's a terrible way to sell war to someone um and so you know it's like would he be okay with it being like full metal jacket or something I, you know he probably would have liked that better i think if you i think if you pinned sure. him down and asked him like would he rather me watch <laughs> uh you know full metal jacket or apocalypse now or gi joe at five years old he'd probably say you know put on the put on the criterion right now uh, but yeah, I respect that. Good for him. Yeah, but you know, like that that explanation made sense to me. I was like, okay, well, that's just dad doesn't like war. Dad doesn't like you know the the military. Dad doesn't like violence. That seems consequenceless. Fine, but that's mm-hmm. you're you're absolutely right. Like it's hard to tell kids that the Simpsons operate in a certain satire that kids shouldn't or can't understand entirely. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I don't even want to like disrespect kids in that way though. Cause like I watched it from the time I was like probably six or seven on pretty regularly. And like, I've gone back and rewatched those episodes and like, I think I was getting a lot of it. I think like kids are able to pick up on those nuances more yeah. than they get credit for. Well, I mean, but it is, it's like, yeah, if I had to make the call, I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> like down in front of it well i mean but that's what's so weird about the arcade game right is that like i mean it's weird and it's also charming uh is that the arcade game almost has nothing to do with the show um oh yeah it's all the characters but it's basically like if you were to design something that kids would play it's like well don't include anything about the show just make it colorful um having the little well that's part of what i liked about the the game was it just like borrowed so heavily from like matt graining's aesthetic Mm mm-hmm it just looked I think I had heard something about like that had originally like it was going to be like the life in hell game or like there was going to be a reveal that Marge was one of the rabbits from life in hell. Well, yeah, I, I, I was going to say, like, uh, apparently I just learned this recently. Apparently they uh, this was actually like so graining when he was going to pitch the Simpsons. I don't know if you've heard this story. Uh, oh, yeah. That, uh, yeah. He go, was gonna go do a life, yeah. He was going to do a life in hell show and then panicked uh, and like and came up with the pitch for the Simpsons in 30 minutes. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and I guess it worked, but the, um, apparently like some of the design elements of that, you're right. Like, uh, Marge has ears under her, uh, um, uh, beehive in the game, like in the game design, you can find like sprites of her with the ears, uh, yeah. which is cool. Like it's, it's an interesting, I don't know. It's a layering that speaks to an artistry in the game that is, um, kind of like tragically unknown i'm just imagining being the person who has to design that and it never is seen yeah i mean it's like in how could you have known at the time in like 1991 or whenever that came out that's like oh but like fret not the internet will later like your design quirk will like make it onto a listicle <laughs> right yeah i mean like you can't 
in those in those days, like I feel like the Simpsons arcade game now is this fun novelty with all that stuff in there. But in the days where I would see it in the movie theater and not play it because I was there to go see a movie and my family didn't want me to go play the Simpsons game. Um, (laughs) You know, you watch it and you look at it and it's so kind of like odd and mysterious and, and similar, but different. It has that uncanny quality. And then it just kind of like passes you by and it, 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 that's like a lot of games when you're a kid or maybe it's not anymore, but when I was a kid, I, I, I take it we're around the same age. Um, I think 30. Yeah. 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 33. So not too yeah, far off. Same. Um, but, but uh, that one particular, that like box or whatever the, like the crate of that video game itself. Like I couldn't, if I was forced to, like, I don't think I could design a like more appealing looking game yes. for me. Yes, like, absolutely. Like it's all I, bright, like sort of like neon, like day glow colors, but these like really like sort of like trashy, gruesome, like character designs. Like, yeah. And like, it just, it just is like catnip to the, to the imagination. You're just like, well, what could be in there? What is in this game? Like what are on the, all the, on the level, on all the levels. And I'm like, I'm, I can actually like recall the feelings I have looking at the Simpsons arcade game when I was a kid and just thinking like, what if I could play through the whole thing? Like, what would I, what would I see in it? Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's just like that arcade game, but also like early Simpsons, especially like that aesthetic, just like, it looks like not doing your homework. Like if that, like mm. could that feeling could turn into like a visual, that's like what it would be. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like, it's, it's the visual of like that, uh, panic euphoria of, uh, of skipping school or something like that. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's a it's a bummer what's happened lately with the. Oh yeah. I don't even want to get into it, but just like for how like anti-authoritarian it was early on, it's ugh, it sucks. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's a deeply subversive show. I think like it's hard not to. It's, it's so funny. We we joked around about uh, we joked around about how you uh, you like didn't want to be known for your meme all the time. Um, and here we are talking about the Simpsons. Uh, I forgot about that. I didn't even even think about that, but, um, (laughs) I mean, it is, it's a shame. Like you, you forget until you rewatch them, how aggressively subversive those early Simpsons episodes are. Mm -hmm. Um, and they really aren't anymore. I mean, they haven't been for years, but the Apu thing just kind of, it's rough. Just, I don't know. Take it, take old Yeller out back, you know? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I think, I think if, if anyone thought it was still like shambolically alive, I think at this point it's clear. Um, but I mean that colorful thing that you said, the the thing about the crate, the thing about it being so bright and appealing, that makes me think about, um, the other two. So like in, in my mind, the, the four games you mentioned kind of fall into, into three categories and the Simpsons arcade game falls into that really like magical, you see it in a place. You can't always play it. You kind of like watch it. Maybe you get to play it like once or twice when you're a kid. I'm sure there are kids out there who played it like every single day. I I don't know. I'm but sure my experience yeah, kid millionaires was like, or they lived next to a pizza hut or something. <laughs> yeah. My experience was like you never had quarters. You, your parents never had time. Um, you just sort of looked at it and then it went away. Um, but Toe Jam and Earl and Parappa the Rapper, um, despite sort of being like existing in different eras, have that same neon uh, out there, not neon, but um, hyper colored almost mm-hmm. like out there uh, aesthetic 
but you did get to play them. So like, I mean, how did you, how did you stumble upon those games? They're kind of those weird out there, uh, not, not entirely like uh, front and center games on Sega and, and PS- on PlayStation. Yeah, it's not. I mean, like I was also playing like Sonic and the Ninja Turtles game and the Mario and Duck Hunt, I think. Like not a lot of people deep yeah. into these games, but we would every once in a while, my mom and I would go out to like yard sales and, you know, inevitably like some kids going off to college and there's just like a huge crate of video games where it's like five bucks for like a hundred video games. So you just pick one of those up and I'd sort through and literally I would just judge books by their cover and like, Oh, this one looks fun. This one looks boring. This one looks like a sword and sorcery thing that is overwhelming to me as a kid. I'm not interested. (laughs) I tried to play Zelda one time when I was a kid and like, I know that's like a revered game, but it was just like, I'm just checking my inventory. I hate this. I I feel like Zelda Zelda is one of those things that I it freaks me out uh, the the way I know the Legend of Zelda because I don't remember I don't remember playing it as a kid nearly enough to know it as well mm-hmm. as I do where like on certain screens I'll be like oh the third bush from the right and uh, four down is a secret area where you get fifty rupees if you burn it with the with the uh, the candle and it's like how did where did I pick that up? When did that happen? How do I know all of these things? It's it's so like, it's, it's like one of those scary stories on the internet where they, you know, you, you start playing a game and you know it and then it's haunted or something, but without the haunting. Mm-hmm, the um, positive haunting. So I hear you. Yeah, right. <laughs> but like, I hear you. Like it's, it, if you didn't have that, it would be um, absolutely, absolutely alienating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I just um, didn't have that. I didn't talk to kids about Zelda. So I was like, okay, this is hard. I'm, I have no patience now. So like, <laughs> as a kid, that was only exaggerated. Was like, I'm, I'm. Done. Well, yeah, I mean, like the as a kid running into games like I don't know, like Populous or something like that, where it was like a a really complex uh, simulation or like something that kind of made its way from the PC oh, and all adults were playing it. It's just like, okay, I can't. I can't even begin to understand how to play. I couldn't, if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't come up with a more boring sounding name for a game than Populous. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. I mean, like even Sim Ant, you're thinking like, well, I don't know. Maybe that's like, maybe that's weird. Like, I don't know. What, what, what would it be like to be an ant? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, it, it's the farm simulator oh, of its God. day. I did play Sim Ant. Actually, um, now that you mentioned this, I do remember playing Sim Ant. I liked that game. That was fun. That was a cool game. Actually, Sim Ant's really fun. I think like I always wonder if people ever found that title boring because it, it does have that boredom factor of like, oh, if this game's going to be educational. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't think about that. But like it's so cool sounding like the idea of just like pretending to be an ant that I, I don't know. Maybe everyone liked it. Um, I'm sure that's one of those games that I played like once at a friend's house. And then the rest of my life, I was like, oh, I like Sim Ant or like the it lived more in my imagination than I actually played it. I mean, this is like this is the way it is for me with Toe Jam and Earl and Parappa, actually, where like I played Parappa the Rapper mostly on a PlayStation demo disc and like mm-hmm. played the first back when demo discs were a thing that just came in your mail. Oh, um, yeah. That's how that I found was, out about it. Yeah, that was a weird time. Like, I feel like 20 years past that, which we're basically at now, um, it's it's hard to explain to like people who weren't there what it's like to just like, oh, yeah, you just got a bunch of demo discs in your mail, even if you didn't have the system and they just came and 
you played them and everyone had them and then you might buy the game or maybe you just play the demo 40 times in a row. Well, what is um, shitty like Woodstock for us? It's like, oh, if you weren't there, man. <laughs> you you would never know what it's like to play Hanger on Tony Hawk 2 500 <laughs> times because you didn't want to buy the game. Uh, dude, when I put Gex into the system for the first time. <laughs> My, I think like my, what I would, what I would tell people is like, I, I I got the VHS from Nintendo power talking to me about video games, man. And that's how I knew what I wanted to buy. Like, you know, that 15 minute video, I popped that in the good, I popped that in the VCR. And all of a sudden I knew that I needed to have Aladdin for super Nintendo. Well, that's like the like record store employee being like, no, you gotta listen to the velvet underground. (laughs) It's, it's, it's exactly as sad as that. Um, but no, like I so so how did you like so you, you came across it based on look and I, I could totally see why you'd you'd kind of gravitate towards those games. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did you make of them? They're they're very um they're very odd games. Yeah, I mean I think that just read then as now that just read to me as like, oh, this is a this is a fun game. These other mm. games are like too serious, or they're like, oh, you can you live and die in these games, or like the the stakes felt too high. And both of those games were like nice, low stakes games. I didn't care very much about like I didn't have I was just like, I don't know, I was like a little kid. I was like, I don't I don't have time to play video games. I need to run around in a circle or do whatever, (laughs) what other whatever other thing I was going to do when I was a little kid. Like, pretty sure that's what kids do. I, I like I have a kid. And I'm not sure there's any like she watches TV and then when she's not watching TV, she runs in a circle. Pretty much. I mean, I was just like moving yeah. all the time. Like, I didn't want to sit down and play a video game. So those were like they were bright. They were appealing. They were weird in a way that like could that be yeah. my interest because I didn't know what was going to happen next. Whereas like any of the I'm trying to think of I can't think of a single example, but just like a game where you have like a sword and it's a side scroller and you're going around like using magic. Oh, yeah. I feel like I've played one. I played all of them. So I like, I got it too quickly. So they became boring, but like toe jam and Earl, the, the, I've never played a game like it before where you're like, you're putting your spaceship together and you're like, you're on earth, but you're like moving through levels, but you can sort of move freely back and forth between levels. Mm-hmm. It was, it was just like entirely surprising. So I was, it like was able to hold my interest in that way. And it also like didn't penalize, like you would die and it would be like a joke how you died. So I didn't feel like I was like being mm-hmm. penalized right. for being bad at the game. Yeah. I mean, there was like, there was a, there's a level of extreme gaming that happened in that era that I think is like, I don't know. Like, I don't know why it didn't turn off more people basically. Uh, yeah. um, I mean, it turned me, I mean like how many like sleepovers I went to where it was just like, my friend would put in golden eye and just like kill me 400 uh, times. That's the, that's the, that's the classic example. I like, I was okay at golden eye. So I fooled myself into thinking I'd be good at competitive gaming. And then, um, remember my first time playing halo with someone competitively and they just killed me. I don't know, 30 times in a row. <laughs> it's like, I, I never want to play this. Yeah, I mean, part of this, <laughs> this is the worst experience of my those life. Those games are like, so, I mean, I, I'm sure very talented people design them, but like to my eye, which is not objectively correct. Like those games are so ugly too. Like I don't want to spend mm. hours like in the snow fort or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the opposite of, of what seems to appeal to you. Like the, the bright colors, the sort of like unique character design, it's much more like gritty and real and brown. Yeah. And that's just like, not, I'm not, I'm not feeling that. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I like Kojima so, because you could, if you would like, you would like go to a mailbox or something, and like most of the mailboxes were fine, but some of them were like people in disguise, and the mailbox would like eat you, and it was like, oh, it's a joke. <laughs> like I get a reward, yeah, when silly. I die, or like Power Up of the Rap, like, I put right. the wrong button formation in, and then like he eats shit, and like it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And like even like the disappointed part where you like screw up and they're like, you lose Parappa. It, it's still kind of funny and it's all individualized, yeah. like depending on what level you're on. Yeah, for sure. Um, So like that lightness, that sort of like lightness and uh, focus on sort of like, I don't know, novelty giving you something that like that explains a lot of to me why you uh, enjoyed um, uh, Grim Fandango. Oh, yeah. So did you? Did you play that all the way through or was that just no. something you sort of like touched oh, on? Oh, absolutely not. That was a game that a friend had and I could only <laughs> play it at his house. Okay. Yeah. I think that's like the, either the experience is you, you had it and you played it for like 75 hours and like, you know, everything about it or, and this is more my experience with it. You saw it played or you played it briefly or whatever. And it just like, it stuck with you because it's super interesting, but you don't, it's like you never played all the way. Oh through. yeah. That one. I never played all the way through. I just liked it because it was this like, and I have it now. I like redownloaded it to play it now. And I'm like, Oh, it's, it's hard. I'm not doing well with it, but it's, I just like the idea of it being <laughs> this like, Oh, it's like a story. It's an interactive story. And like, you're just solving puzzles and like most of the puzzles are funny. Like it, yeah, I just thought it was like a cool, Yeah, I had never seen something like that. Like an inner, I guess like choose your own adventure books, but otherwise like hadn't ever really seen like an interactive story like that. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's a game that seems to mean a lot to a lot of people. And I like, for me, it's a, it's a game that makes me think about what is necessary in kind of a visual story like that. Um, and I guess like, you know, it reminds me of comics that make me think that way too. Uh, the, the sort of like standard comic I think of that makes me wonder about, you know, whether or not it's like a perfect comic story or not. I think it, it is probably the closest I would say, uh, is, uh, is Jeff Smith's bone. Um, oh, dude, hell yeah. Which is just, you know, just about as close to a perfect story as I am willing to, to commit to. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but like that, that and Grim Fandango, it's like, they aren't, heady in the way novels are heady but they are heady in exactly the way that they need to be for their genre and they just tell a good story and like that there, there's intricacies there that i just can't exactly pin down but i admire uh very much yeah i think there's bone especially is like i really yeah i love bone i used to babysit uh kids and we read through all of bone together oh that's so cool it ruled it was i cannot recommend doing that enough to anyone but the um yeah it's like any time a story is like go or not a story or like anything is like going for profound it's like well you gotta like you come at the king you best not miss like you gotta hit profound if you're going for profound but yeah if you're going for anything else and you like stumble upon like profundity like oh great that works really nicely yeah it's it's it, that's that's a really good point like it's not like no one's asking no one's expecting especially if you read that first issue of bone um, where it's just like them goofing off and like being the sort of like Disney esque uh, parodic characters they are the the bones yeah they're like depression era cartoon characters yeah exactly like you, you sort of you sort of get a feel for the comic and then the 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 stinger image on that first issue which I'll never forget where uh, 
where uh, it, I mean, it's such a it's such a dumb like uh, uh, Looney Tunes joke, but it, it works so, so well um, where uh, phone bone says like, oh, well, you know what? At least it hasn't snowed yet. And then it, all the snow, <laughs> like, like eight inches of snow fall on him instantly. It's like a clean um, sheet. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, <laughs> it's just his nose. Um, I mean, it's it, it gives you a sense of it. And for the most part, that's what it is. But then there are moments of profundity and real like human emotion in there that just hit so much harder for that. Yeah, because it like it eases you into it and you can also you can also tell at least maybe i'm wrong but like this is what i got while i was reading it is like oh it seems like he stumbled backwards into the this story being like an epic like this like mm-hmm. he truly was just like starting off with these silly characters and seeing where they took him and like oh he just let them he didn't judge where it was going and just sort of let it go where it was going to yeah, it is. It, it reminds me in that way of a, a comic that I do not think is a perfect series and is tragic for that reason, because its creator is kind of a, a shithead, but um, is uh, is Cerberus. Um, oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. Cerberus was one of the most disappointing comics in the world for me because I read the first like those those big those big volumes that uh, Viz or whoever put out. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Artvark Press. Um, and. I read those big fat volumes and I got through the first one and the second and the third, I think where he became Pope or whatever. Um, yeah. And I loved those early stories. I was so into it. Um, I loved the way it became serious. And then I read all about the, um, I read all about Dave Sims politics and beliefs. And I was like, I just, even, even as like a 16 year old, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. He, I feel terrible, but I do like, I do remember learning about the like he won't talk to you unless you sign a letter, like a form letter that he has. That's like this guy is all right. Oh, that's a that sucks. Yeah, it really does. And like it's it's the same sort of thing that Jeff Smith does with uh, with Bone, where like Cerberus is just kind of a silly comic that stumbles its way into oh, yeah. being a big time epic, but oh, like God, I thought you were going to say that like Jeff Smith has bad politics. No, no, thank God. I've never heard anything about Jeff Smith's politics yeah, one no way or the other there, I guess. I hope, I hope never to. Um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, based on the other things I hear about comic creators, politics, I I've, I've mostly learned that no news is good news unless it's like, I don't know, Gail Simone, um, yeah. who seems a fairly good person. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's just like they Cerberus stumbled into it and then like totally forgot its levity. Like it just became so serious and so about being profound and important. Yeah. Um, and bone never, bone never gets there. Bone is like still, even in its darkest moments, still will tell, tell jokes. Well, it's still got phony bone. Who's like one of the greats. I fucking love that character. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's Harpo Marx. Like it's just like, yeah, he's, he's just, funny i mean he's just goofy and funny and or wait, yeah it's the, great phony bones the jerk right i'm thinking of oh yeah phony is the jerk i was thinking of uh who's the um smiley bone. so phony bones more like groucho or something uh yeah who's the who's the goofy one smiley right oh smiley that's right okay okay yeah. okay it's been ages I, i'm waiting to read it with my daughter when she has the uh, attention span oh yeah I dude i can't massive oh. edition that's going to be so nice for you guys. But phony, the jerk is the one that I love. Like that reveal. Yes. Like, okay. For anyone who hasn't read it, like don't listen to the next like 12 seconds. But like when his that huge <laughs> balloon of himself shows up. 
what a great like it's a dramatic moment that's like based on this like joke from like four years earlier in the comics like oh it's great it's i mean it's he is just like he's such a perfect curmudgeonly character he's he's a perfect um you know who he is he's um he's the don banks era uh uncle scrooge yes yeah like he's yeah he's so obsessed with money he's so obsessed with like himself but he is he is also completely sweet and lovable yeah he loves his brothers he takes care of them or his cousins mm-hmm. um yeah he's a great i love characters like that yeah me too um so let me ask you like i i i loved what we talked about with video games i think that is actually like a really cool way of approaching it and i am happy we did it that way and i'm happy you did GameStruck because that uh that definitely helped me out yeah um, a relief right yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Uh, thanks for giving me the content on my own show. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the um, I'm, I'm really interested. So what are your um, so people haven't seen your work. Uh, go read. Go read Branson's Twitter. It's really uh, I really like your work. Hey, I, thanks. Um, I, yeah, of course. I like I like the ways that you're um, I kind of like the way your brain works in terms of like coming up with concepts. Um, I've really liked the uh, the swan living in the. Um, or is it goose? I, oh, Swan Boy. Living in sort of like the – yeah, Swan Boy, thanks. Living in like the photo realistic uh, backgrounds yeah, but like him just being drawn on. Yeah, it's 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 this fun sort of like – I feel like you you explore like fish out of water themes in a lot of your – in a lot of your comics or like um, that sort of like classic um, – I don't know, visual comic joke of taking an idiom and taking it very seriously. Oh, um, yeah. Like literally. Um I, I, they're, they're really fun, but I'm, I'm just curious, what are, what would you like? So video games clearly aren't sort of the aesthetic locus of some of your work, like in the same way that say, um, uh, I'd say like, uh, someone who, who reminds me of like the, the sort of like serious comic artist meets the internet, uh, and who has also been on the show, uh, Casey Green, like he definitely pulls a lot from, um, video games in his work, uh, but you're not pulling as much from that. So what would you think? What do you think of you as your like aesthetic uh, influences? And it can be from anything. I'm, I'm not really all that concerned if it's like all visual or not all visual or, or yeah, what. for sure. I've thought about this. I was thinking about this recently of like, what do I, yeah, what do I pull from? Cause I, it's, I've always, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think a lot of people like go through their lives and they're like, okay, here, these are going to be my 12 influences and I, I shouldn't deviate. <laughs> I mean, obviously that's insane. Nobody does that. But like, I've, I, I tend to just like have a million influences and like have so many that I can never pinpoint. But the, uh, the ones that are like coming to mind right now are like, obviously like Looney Tunes. Okay. Like massive for me. Um, yeah, that one was enormous. The, um, in terms of like comics, like a giant, um, yeah, equally, that's sort, yeah, I mean, that's like my that's up there with the Simpsons for me. I love that. Um, like in terms of visual art, I really like um, uh, Raymond Pettibon. Uh, I do yeah. like Matt Groening's comics, like outside of the like Life in Hell is amazing. Uh, Gary Panther, I really yeah. like. I've never read Gary Panther, but I do really like um, I like Life in Hell for what for the same reasons we were talking about before of like balancing I don't know, cynicism and wit, yeah. uh, but obviously way more in line of the cynicism than say something like bone. Oh, for um, sure. But yeah, life in hell is wonderful to read. 
the the most miserable person you know in the world with the rumpled graduate student is uh, I, I think of that at least like once a day it's a really it's i mean there's something like uh, this happens a lot i mean people will like it's interesting to make a comic and like put something out there and then get a response because it's like i'm just putting something out there like i don't know what people's response to it is going to be or like what inside of them that like connected with and like sometimes i'll make comics and people say like oh that's really depressing or like oh that's really like nihilistic and i was like oh geez that's like not or cynical like that's not at all what i meant to put out into the world i mean like i guess that's part of me but the like to see that it's like yeah that is those that's certainly present in like life and hell but like the more of those i read the more it's like oh i think there's something ultimately pretty hopeful here Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think the characters are meant to be like hated or even like mocked yeah it's like it's like you just like acknowledge that dark side of life and like oh if you do that then i'm gonna trust you when you say something good later yeah it reminds me a little of um and i i'm I'm cautious with this because newspaper comics always disappoint me if i say they're good but um it reminds me a little bit of like zippy the pinhead oh yeah um yeah which like i've always found i've always liked reading zippy and part of the reason I've always liked reading Zippy is because like it does the sort of, um, I don't know, newspaper comic thing of being cynical about politics or whatever, like being an adult comic, but Zippy is always really happy like that. they never really impinge on that. And so like, there is that bright side built into the character. And, and I don't know, there's something very authentic about that sort of optimism built in there, like hard scrabble optimism. Yeah. It's there's something appealing about it's just like easy to root for a a character like that or it lets you sort of like ground the darker things you're gonna say in a comic it's like the i had this a few with the first few like swan boys i i put out people would respond and be like oh like this swan boy is a mood like i also have anxiety and i'm like oh geez like i'm so sorry to like i don't have it i can't write from that experience like uh whoops (laughs) You just like yeah, the, the series of tweets like if you got a mood from my comics, that was not the mood I intended. But if it is a big mood, it can be your yeah, like mood. who am I to tell you what size mood you should. Well, it's just like <laughs> if you're getting anything from them, like that's huge for me. Like I'm very flattered that anyone would have any sort of reaction to my comics. But then when it's one that like I myself didn't have at any point in the creation, it's a little like, whoa, this is what like the death of the author feels like. Yeah, I mean, I was explaining I was explaining this actually to a class I I um I teach like as an adjunct. So like just, you know, basically part time. But the you know, I was, I was talking to a class today about intention and, uh, and authorship. Um, and I was saying, you know, like because we were going to watch what what the playwright thought about his play. And I was like, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. And I said, not because artists don't know what they're doing, but because like even, you know, their intention is real. They have an intention. But like their art can succeed and fail outside of that intention. And I think like, that's something that's so tricky for people to, to be able to grasp if they don't create art or like live with art a lot that like there is an intention and like, there's something really going on, but also it does not always. Yeah. I mean, you like the worst case scenario is like you, you pull a JK Rowling and you just spend the next like 30 years. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, so this look, what this actually meant is like Swan boy is actually polyamorous. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, no, (laughs) I think it's, I think it's really good that you, that you put out a series of comics about the Simpsons porn kid and like explained that you weren't kink shaming Simpsons porn kid. 
um, and then explored his um, his later life through college uh, and expanded. Yeah, because like worst case scenario, he would live uh, in the imagination of my readers, which like is untenable. (laughs) Gross. Yeah. I mean, how how are you going to sell? I mean, I barely do now. (laughs) (laughs) Buy Branson's T-shirts. I actually should. I actually. um, I should buy your T-shirts or commission some art from you. I uh, always, always been something I've thought of. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the people, people tell me all the time that the, 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 the thing I should do next for the show is like commission art from artists I like, and that's like that seems so uh, coming from the realm of the critic where we're all very haughty about our understanding of art and how we're better than the artists, but also secretly jealous of you all because you can do something we oh, can't. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it seems so like holy almost to be like, Oh, to, to draw something. I always me. feel this way about, um, uh, whenever people go off on like Nickelback or like insane clown posse and they're like, Oh, that, like that music sucks. It's like, I don't, I, I don't think it's good, but like, also like what music are you making that you're all high and mighty about like how bad these guys are? I think like, I, I like, I think it's totally fair to critique people if you don't, do their art, but I think it's not fair to do so if you don't also have a sense of humility sure. about yeah, yourself. Yeah, it's like not to say um, yeah, beyond criticism. Thing. Like you can criticize anyone, but it's a little like this, like just like a thoughtless, like oh, this sucks. I would never make something like this. Is like yeah, of course you wouldn't because you don't make anything, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're not taking any risks, right? Yeah, it's like it's. It, I think like the worst criticism I've ever read comes from people who. Like, don't remember the fact that, yeah, you know, we're all good writers here. I can, you know, I, I wrote my dissertation. It's it's written well, I, you know, to, to whatever degree mm-hmm. a dissertation is written well. Um, I, I That's fine. Um, it is not, it's not a literature. And I can, I can rail against whatever literature I have in there, I've, I've read in there. But I have to understand that I didn't create literature at that point. They still do something that I constitutively unable to do and like that's with your comics like even if i didn't like your comics they are something that i can't do and that's like there's a there's a level of importance well yeah i mean I pre- and I, I certainly like don't want to be the guy who's like so nobody can say anything to me because you know <laughs> every time anyone at you you just ask oh, where their web comic is like you have to it, you're dave with the uh you're dave sim with the letter but instead everyone has to send you a oh, url gee, before a- you talk to them what a sad life that would be. That would be awful. It's just more, I mean, I really just need it for myself. It's like, <laughs> I just rough. try before I ever like go off on like how bad something sucks. It's just like, Oh, have I done, have I actually done what they're trying to do before? Do I know what the, like, do I know what it takes to do it? And like, usually the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think like, I think that's a very reasonable that's a very reasonable impulse, especially oh, in the age of Twitter, where it is so easy to, I don't know, like I, I had an instance where, um, and, and he were friends, so I can, I can say it, but we became better friends, I think because of this, because I was able to sort of get over myself a little bit, but I, I got mad at another video game critic for a take that he had, uh, Cam Kunzelman uh, at Waypoint. He's a very nice man, a uh, nice guy. I, I like him a lot. But um, I got mad at one of his his takes and, um, and he he tweeted and he was like, oh, wow, like this showed up at the top of my feed because a bunch of people faved it that were friends with him Ooh. and me. 
And so it was like, people you know like this. And it was me saying like, well, this is a stupid take. Uh, and I was like, I am so sorry. That is the worst thing I can imagine happening to me. And I never want to have it it's happen to anyone a, that I know. It's like extremely well documented, like, but like it is so oh. easy to forget. There's like, oh, there's a human being with like an inner life and dignity on the other end of what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, do you think like, do you find this is something that happens like that comes up a lot in gaming where like it is gaming sort of is documented in again, like clearly well documented. Um, and it, 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 I don't know, it's like consistently representative of like facelessness. Mm-hmm. Like it's very easy to make someone faceless when um, you're gaming. Uh, do you feel like the like comic creation, uh, do you feel like that has an opposite effect? Does it, does it help you humanize people at all? Because of course you're trying to, to speak to some sort of condition or is it still like, I, I mean, fairly I, I guess ultimately I'm trying to speak to some sort of condition, but like often it's just like, Oh, there's a time travel joke. Like there's not all <laughs> like, I don't know. What's it like to time travel? Um, I, I don't know. I just, the only thing I've known is like sort of certainly made me a little more empathetic is I've noted, I have a, cartoon of myself that I drew as my profile picture and the way people speak to me sometimes that will like they'll be really over familiar or like rude or they'll like they'll razz me the way that like only a close friend is like really allowed to razz you and I, it, it used to upset mm-hmm. me more and then I've sort of realized it's like oh my the picture they have for me is a cartoon character who's like smiling and waving his arms like I'm not a real person to them. I'm like a happy little like drawing of an idiot. So like that, they're not talking to me. They're talking to that thing. Yeah. And that, that really helps. I would imagine. Cause like, I know, um, I mean, I've always had, uh, I have a, the, I have, um, Ignatz from crazy cat from Harriman's crazy cat as my avatar. Oh, yeah. I've always had that as my avatar, like forever. Uh, it's just been that way for, for years and years. And I would never make it my face. Uh, not because I'm anonymous. I have, pictures of myself on the internet now it's not like i've 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 given up that ghost but uh so like Uh, my my friend matt uh chrisman of chapo trap house who's also been on the show i don't know if you know him or not um he's a nice guy uh but people will constantly say that he looks like um heavy set bearded men in everything like they'll just find every heavy set bearded person like in that uh purple mattress i don't know if you've seen that they have like a commercial they have commercials for no. videos and stuff all the time um but there's someone who has a big beard and he's heavy and people will take a screenshot and send it to matt and be like this is you how you sold out and did this and he'll dm me and he'll be like this is like why are people being like this like what are people doing Um, it's such a like it's just a completely cruel way or like a just a dehumanizing way to talk to somebody like i certainly like i'm a i'm i i like the way i look but i'm certainly like a sort of unusual looking person like i'm any this happens to me all the time people be like oh look at this like this freak with huge eyes like branson that's you and like oh that uh I have to go like lay down. That's <laughs> terrible. I feel horrible now. Yeah, it's like it's like the uh, it's like the scene at Moe's uh, Moe's family feed bag. Um, no, mm-hmm. that's not what he calls it. Uh, but yeah, that's what Barney tells me she call it. Um, but when he he uh, they draw the picture of Moe and he goes, ah, you got the stink lines and everything. Um, <laughs> He's exactly, yeah. It's like it's it's so it's so true. Like you can be like, well, I see what you're saying and where you find that 
you know, common moment, but you're not really my friend necessarily. I know you from the internet and it's too accurate and that makes me feel bad. Yeah, well, like the subtext of those jokes all the time too is it's like, aha, uh-huh, I'm being mean to you, but of course you understand that I'm actually a good person mm. in my real life, even though you only know me from this one interaction <laughs> where I'm saying like a horse from a 1930s Disney cartoon. <laughs> which was that I was like that one really I was like I wouldn't let a close friend speak to me like that come on man that's really mean like you know, the one with the, like the like oh, toilet yeah. seat around its neck yeah sort of like Clarabelle cow but the but like as a horse yeah yeah of course it's yeah. like that's really rude it's just like so specific too well, and I feel like I feel like there's like the internet has this has this culture of um Oh, the internet has this culture of razzing pictures that kind of came up between friends. Like you'll watch people like, oh yeah, you know, make fun of stuff in people's rooms, but like they're usually friends doing it. And then like I feel like if you if it's a big enough figure on Twitter, which I mean you have quite a few followers, you're kind of a bigger figure on Twitter, I would say, um, mm-hmm. for for better or for worse, I suppose. Um, the I feel like everyone feels like you're their friend at that point and they can just kind of like do that razzing thing and be like, you're, you're, you know, like, ah, I'm just, I'm just busting your balls. Like we're having fun over here. Um, and like, it's not, Oh, wine me and dine me first. Like I gotta, cause I, I've certainly made friends through the internet and like, we're hostile to each other in a fun way. Like I'm not like, you're certainly allowed to do that, but like, Dude, if you're leading with like you look like the the <laughs> fucking the lizard from Rescuers Down Under, like I'm not going to be receptive to a friendship. <laughs> just like the first thing you say to it would, it would be like if, like meeting you in a coffee shop and like you know, you'll bump into you at like getting cream or whatever sugar, and like instead of saying oh excuse me like you know you you go first, uh, you just say like look at this Zorak looking motherfucker, oh, um, and then like let them like hope that the other person doesn't get angry at you. I don't actually know if you look like Zorak. Zorak was who popped into my head. I but, um, before, so yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to actually do the thing I was critiquing. No, um, you're good. No, I know, I know what you mean. But like, yeah, like the, it, it's, it's so, it's so out of the norm of any sort of normal behavior. Um, I don't know. It, it's very strange. It's a, I mean, I get it. I get the impulse. You want attention. You want, friendship and like that's like you're just gonna you're taking a big swing like i get it it's just like oh also you know i'm a person don't do that yeah yeah please please don't do that i but at least like at least on some level you can say like well they're saying it about the caricature um sure yeah and it's like nice to i very recently like sort of remembered it's like oh that's the only real like picture they have for me mm-hmm. yeah um well i i I will say to everyone listening, I uh, I saw your face while we were emailing, and I think you look very normal, um, and don't think you look like the horse from a 1930s Disney cartoon. Wow, thank you. It's truly the the highest compliment a person can get. <laughs> you do not look like you were drawn by an early animator uh, rotoscoping, um, you know, a, a famous uh, dancer. Yeah, he's just like, oh, this will make an Irish person cry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
So let me ask as as a way to round this out because we're we're heading towards an hour. Um, oh yeah, we talked about bone. I, I don't. Yeah, I just don't want to keep you more than an hour. I'm, I'm happy to talk longer, but uh, but I, I always I always like my one of my last guests actually at the end of the episode said, "Well, um, that's probably about it." And I was like it was at an hour. I hadn't kept them too long, but I was like, "Wow, that's the worst feeling in the world." Oh um, yeah, no, no. I I'm, just looked up and saw the time. No, you, you're good. I was like, I, I'll never keep anyone too long because they don't want that to happen again. Um, so we talked about bone, uh, as an influence. I, I feel like I would be remiss not to ask what your sort of like favorite comics influences are and understand I'm a person that hates being asked their top five things. Oh, sure. Uh, I can never, I can never do it. I, I freeze. Um, so this doesn't have to be a top or anything like that. Just like, um, you know, not top four comics or whatever, but just like comics you feel that have like inspired you or influenced your practice i mean we have looney tunes we have bone um but is there anything else like even i don't know like mainstream indie yeah, hell yeah. anything like that i mean like I'm, I'm completely with you i don't like to like rank art it feels it feels really gross to do but the a few that have like really uh stuck out to me that i really liked are i think earlier i said Akewood is huge i really like that one yeah um, absolutely i must have read that through six times at this point seven i'll just start i mean it's like a huge, that's point. been my new struggle with swan boy is it's like oh god i gotta not i gotta like read other things and not let that one influence show too hard <laughs> swan swan boy is standing on it is like is, <laughs> is, is a is a real risk but <laughs> great indoor fight the um <laughs> uh what else is the, oh um i've i'm just like looking at my shelf right now like what i've really liked uh lisa hannah walt is incredible i try to read everything of hers that i can uh linda mm-hmm. berry is great i think like, earlier i said gary panther yeah. uh what are other oh um one piece i haven't like really read much uh manga i think it's manga ever in my life it's like not been a i watched like sailor moon when i was a kid and then dragon ball z but that was like sort of it for me and like that's been real like seeing how that guy like lays out a page has been really uh very inspiring there's a lot that i like never would have thought to do from that uh tony million one piece is kind of wonderful yeah uh i like makey's what's the other uh i I guess like when i was a kid like i loved far side loved calvin and Hobbes and the peanuts i'm sure everyone says those. Mm-hmm. well but i mean that's those are good ones i like uh i think tony millionaire is an excellent one too i uh I probably unwisely uh, read because uh, she was interested in it. I read uh, Billy Hazelnut's Tony Millionaire's uh, "quote unquote" kids story. Is it's pretty dark, one, or is that um, a different thing? It's it's a different. It's sort of like his follow up to so- the oh, sock okay. monkey one. Uh, it's like about this like animal made of meat, or this like homunculus <laughs> basically made of meat that uh, that has little hazelnuts as eyes and is. I don't know, fights pirates and cats and stuff. Um, it's weird. Like it's, it's yeah. Tony millionaire. It's, it's very much like him. Um, it's, it's not like, it's not as, uh, as hard edged as Maki. So it works as a kid's book, but like, she loves it. She loves me reading through it. Uh, so I have to, I have to hand it to him for like being able to take that style and do so much with that. I love Tony. Millionaire. He, he's, he's really, he's really excellent, but he, I mean, I love that though. Like the, I also, I mean, this is like unrelated to my comics, but I also like, I used to perform for this, uh, this like comedy group or like sketch comedy or children's theater company called story pirates who we would like take stories that kids wrote and turn them into sketch comedy shows for the kids. There's a more specific, like, uh, 
line for like what they do, but I haven't been involved in a few years. But the something I like learned from that is like, oh, how resilient kids are and like how much they can handle and like how how like good it is, I think, to do things like Tony Millionaire making a a weird or dark children's book. Because like kids can handle that and that like or I think of like where the wild things are when I was a kid, like how much I liked that book. It's like I like I was an angry kid with a lot of energy. So it was like really nice for me to have a book where it's like, oh, that's being reflected back at me. I like there's nothing wrong with me. This is a normal way for a kid to be. Yeah, no, that's right. I think like, I don't know, there's like, there's a place for comics that way. I think like, you know, as, as, excuse me, as cliched as it's become, um, like I read reading Spider-Man as a kid, I was, I was hooked because I found something I thought was funny. Like it, it, it stuck like what Peter was saying when he was quipping, like struck me as funny Mm -hmm. and it hit my sense of humor. But then also like someone who wasn't quite sure of himself, someone who was sort of like, you know, obviously when he was Spider-Man, he was great. But when he wasn't, he was kind of gawky and like he, he made a lot of mistakes and stuff like that. That really appealed to me. Um, And like, I don't know, it's good to have someone that you can sort of say like, oh, yeah, like that person's flawed or that person has rough edges or that person lives kind of like not a perfect life. Um, I relate to that uh, and not have it be like real in the sense of like a very special episode of Family Matters. I mean, that's what was huge for me about uh, Calvin and Hobbes that like why Calvin Mm. rings so true for me is like, oh, this kid is always in trouble. Yeah. Just like from the age of like four to like 13, I just like never wasn't in trouble. I was always in trouble. (laughs) It's just, it's like night. It's so powerful to like see that. It's like, okay, this kid is just like, I mean, he's a little more verbally adept than I am, but, uh, cause you know, an adult man is writing him, but the otherwise (laughs) like really related to that character. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, I, um, like I was, I was never in trouble, but at the same point, like it's sort of like the, what, what I would call dialectics, but what a normal person would call, uh, uh two sides of the same coin, which is that like, um, <laughs> uh, you know, like when I read that Akewood comic where, uh, the really famous, well, not famous, but like well-loved one where it's like 16 panels of Ray doing things, uh, when he's stoned. Oh yeah. Um, sort of stoned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the one where Ray's driving the truck and he says like, uh, I wish I had done more things as a kid, uh, because now I know that getting in trouble is a fake idea. Oh, dude, um, that has like changed the course of my life. That line. It's, so I, yeah, I think about that all the time. I was like, Oh yeah, he's completely right. <laughs> it's not true. You can't be in trouble. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. It means like an authority figure is mad at you. Like who, whatever, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I, I, I kind of looked back at my life and I was like, oh, yeah, like I spent a lot of time worrying about the vague idea of trouble, thinking it was like what's well, like it's like um, the, the example I'll give is. Uh, I thoughtlessly used the specter of the police uh, to, oh <laughs> to make my daughter not do things sometimes uh-huh. uh, when she was like she would want to be in the house by herself. And I'd say, well, you know, the police will come and, and uh, arrest me and mom if we if we leave you in the house alone. So we can't do that. And the other day we told her to, you know, she wanted to go see her tree ha- or uh, her birdhouse in the yard. And it was like 6 a.m. And we were like, well, we're not going outside. You can. Um, and she was like, but the police will come and arrest me and put me in prison. 
And I was like, oh, that was a mistake. Like I should, I shouldn't have should have opened that door. Um, yeah, it's a hard bell to unring. The cop. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the police constantly watching. Yeah, this, definitely as a leftist, that was something that uh, I wanted my child to always be worried about the police. Um, no, it's just like it's it's so easy to convince kids that there's some very real material specter that is going to impact them based on whatever decision they make. Oh, yeah. But I mean, like, and they're it. Like, they can be in danger. Like, the yeah. I've babysat kids a lot and, like, the younger – there's this sort of like a right around three. It's like a three year old's job is to try to die. Like they're so, <laughs> yes. they be so reckless and like, Oh yeah, sure. Like their decisions do impact themselves, but like there's a lot, there's a lot kids should be able to do that. They don't, they don't general. I remember not having the freedom to do. And it's like, no, you, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with sort of stoned Ray that like being in trouble is a fake idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that more than maybe any Aquid strip, which is actually like definitely saying something probably that. And Pat saying, um, how dare you? How dare, dare, dare you? Oh yeah. Um, those, I, I think about that a lot when people get mad online. The, um, I, I mean, this could, we could just spend another hour and I could just say all my favorite. Well, welcome to the Aquid podcast. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, the, um, <laughs> What's the other? Oh, the um, you said Spider Man, and it reminded me of like I never really read superhero comics much as a kid. Uh-huh. They just didn't. I don't know. I don't want to put too much thought into it. They just like didn't make a lot of sense to me. But the one that I would like watch the cartoon and some of the comics was X Men. I did really like. Mm. In the nineties, X Men hit this. I I was really into superhero comics in two periods of my life, and I feel a little let down by them at this point uh, for a number of reasons uh, that I probably could go into on a, a different podcast about comics that I probably should start, I guess. But the, um, uh, I don't know, like the X-Men, especially in retrospect, looking at like how they dealt with alterity and like the way they sort of framed their team, uh, especially like in the TV show era, it was like, it was really different. It was really, um, it was compelling in a way that a lot of comics tie-ins and a lot of comics weren't. Yeah, I'm like hesitant to try to name the phenomenon, because like, I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. I don't know what made it exciting to me. I don't know what's made it resonate. I'm a little, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little skeptical that it's like as, uh, as open-minded a property or as like, oh, it was like they were advocating oh, for, yeah. you know, like civil rights. It's like, I don't, I don't know. They were mostly punching who like could control magnets like i don't know how how true that really <laughs> rings for me but the one that um gambit was another one it was like that character everyone was always mad at gambit and like when i was a kid i was like oh this is my guy he's in trouble all the time <laughs> i like the guy who's oh everyone's always yeah mad anytime at. there's a character who like everyone agrees like oh we're mad at them all the time there's a part of me that's like oh there i am <laughs> <laughs> branson reese the boy everyone is mad at oh boy that's rough. That's I mean, that's like but that's a good superhero. That's like you could have been you could have been like in the 1940s. That would have been. a Yeah. Comic oh, book. yeah. They're like, here comes this scamp. We all throw trash. at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, yeah, no, I hear you. I um, I think that's actually a good distillation of why comics disappoint me now is that like there's a lot you can put on them. And I'm also very skeptical that any of that's going on. Like, oh, yeah, it's great. I, I'll, the, the, I, I'm sure I've told this story in the podcast before. Um, 
I was at a, I gave a paper at a, a comic convention in like 2009 and um, uh, I went to a panel with a comic art, a comic writer uh, named Roy Thomas, who's a very famous sort of like uh-huh. Marvel comic writer from like the, the 60s and 70s. Right. Yeah. So I was um, I was listening to him talk and, and this super pretentious guy got up and asked him about uh, this issue of the Avengers he wrote, where uh, the, the, the women uh, in the Avengers uh, meet the Valkyrie and, uh, and like she, she charms them and they beat up the male Avengers. And it's seen as this, like, he was like, what were you like, were you going like, how, how did you come up with this idea for female empowerment? Like it's, it's so powerful. Like there's this sense of, of femininity and like, it, it's very radical. <laughs> and Roy Thomas just looks at him. He goes, well, it's like, you know, it was really around the time of women's lib. People were burning their bras and stuff. And I saw the books and I, I said to Stan, I bet this will sell some, some issues. And <laughs> that's I, always I what it, it is. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, oh, that's I, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I saw all these women like uh, the fighting for equality and my eyes turned into two green dollar signs. <laughs> How can I monetize? Oh, man, that's boards. a I was at Comic-Con for the first time here in New York and like there's this like one aisle at Comic-Con that was like all these like 100 year old men who look like Robert Evans are like smoking indoors of like, yes, yeah, so put whatever you want in front of me. I'll sign it. <laughs> did, did, uh, did the web comics ring or did the, did the area you were, were you, were you presenting or were you just uh, visiting? I was presenting for, Oh shit. I'm gonna get in trouble. I forgot what I was presenting for, but the, um, it was a uh, Devastator, Devastator Press. They were very, okay. they were very good to me. But they, um, I was going to be reading for something originally because, like, they had an author who couldn't come, and they knew I lived in New York. And then the author, like, his plane ticket situation—it's all very boring. But like, he then was able to come, and they were like, "Oh, mm-hmm. while we have you here, do you want to just read some comics?" <laughs> so I just like I presented some comics to a room of people who were not prepped for me to present comics to them. And they were pretty polite. <laughs> that's like a uh, that's it's like what I would imagine uh, a circle of hell would be um, where like you just get up and you're like, this is my work. Um, I'm going to explain it to you out of context. Yeah, that's I've had to do a few shows where people are like, oh, and you'll read comics for this show. And I was like, oh, is it a stand up show? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the middle of these stand up comedians, you'll do something that isn't stand up. <laughs> And the audience will be expecting you to do. Stand- I mean, that's like where circles of hell go. That's like a pretty. That's like virtuous pagans, like outer circle. Oh yeah, you're not getting hurt or tortured or anything. It's just basically <laughs> nobody, emotional like, fear. Nobody touched me. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> There's a um, uh, one of the. Uh, we I guess we should we should wrap up soon. But one of the. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it mostly for myself too because I'm enjoying our conversation. We could just you know, uh, the the three hour episode of us talking about everything we're really um, off. yeah there you go we're, we're, me me and branson become friends on the podcast um no it's uh it's like uh um there's a, a comic uh that i i really enjoyed online uh very like I, I don't know how how big his readership ever got but he was uh it's really smart uh called uh unwinders tall comics and uh he had a he has like a number of like weird ideas and basically like bears them out in in his work and um one of the one of the things he had was um uh the importance of being earnest in hell and uh and it was just like the importance of being earnest but then in um in little stage directions afterwards it just said like uh demons chuckle darkly 
um, or like you know, like uh, Algernon is poked with a uh, with a hot prod, and it's just like <laughs> the 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 idea of just like how quickly um, emotional uh, anxiety turns into like absolute torment once you introduce the trappings of hell has always stuck with me. Yeah, that's really good. I gotta. I want to read that. Yeah, his I mean, his his stuff's really good. He um he's not I mean, he I don't know the last time he updated, but he uh he's just like a he's just like a guy. I, I'm not again, like maybe he has a huge readership and I don't know. Um, I'm friends with him on Twitter, so I should probably just ask him. But the um uh yeah, he's like a very creative uh, webcomic artist, doesn't really do the same thing twice. So but in any case, yeah, I, I, I think about that a lot. I think about emotional uh, circles of hell a lot. And maybe that says uh, more about me than it does about him. Yeah. 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 We've learned a lot about uh, ourselves in this episode. Yeah, really. This is a this is a nice journey to go on. <laughs> well, I'm glad you took it with me. Um, thank you again for coming on. Is there anything that we missed or anything you want to plug? Oh, do I well, when is this coming out? Uh, let me see. This will probably come out. Um, 7th of May. Um, okay. You'll have just missed a few shows. Uh, I promise you I did a really good job. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, no. No I'm worries. Um, yeah, I, I guess just like check out the – check out my comics. I love uh, BransonReese.com yeah, uh, uh, too. I like – or it's Branson-Reese. I now have that website. Oh, is it? Is it both? No, BransonReese.com is um, – I used to own that URL and I let it expire and in 30 minutes – a Japanese company that sells AstroTurf bought it. So, and I will, they will never let it go. I cannot get it back. But Branson Dash Reese is like, has all of my comics. You can find everything there. I do kind of like how, how like um, peaceful and industrial it is and how like I'm, I'm kind of imagining like this is the, the sort of like, uh, you ever read that comic? Um, the, the, what is it? The mystery of Amagara oh. fault. Oh my God. They, yes. Uh, the Junji Ito. Yeah. The Junji Ito comic. Somebody said I like looked there, like one time is when they come out the other. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that <one> was good. <laughs> no, come on. They said that that's, I, I'm surprised you took that. that you know mean. what? That was like points for creativity oh. on that. <laughs> I mean, but there's something, there's something very, um, this is my whole about, um, like just a bunch of like, text I can't read and images that are, that are visually appealing about, um, and uh, like your, your work, there's something about this that, that clicks with me and your, your art oh, for some you. reason. Yeah. I mean, best case scenario, that's who got uh, my website. <laughs> yeah. The Japanese ass. It's at least it's not like, you know, a uh, uh, bulletproof alt-right coffee you, oh, or something man, like that. That. Would, that would hurt. That would like physically take a toll on me if that was who got my website be rough man like that would you know branson reese redirects to like stormfront.com would be like pretty painful um i'd feel really bad for you at that point but it's a you know so this is this is at least i hope i hope i've made you feel a little better about that bad yeah you know what you did thank you could be worse (laughs) um well thanks for coming on i i really appreciate it um yeah this was really fun Uh, please come on again if, if you're ever um if you're ever doing something exciting, we can uh, we can chat some more. Yeah, thanks. Okay, uh, yeah, I'll just work on my career so I have a reason to get back on. Yeah, no, I, yeah, please get get to it. Start 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 pumping those comics out. Um, 
Yeah, talk to you soon, man. Yeah, see you around. Thanks.